it's not the same experience as if you were to go with, um, you know, on your own and have free time and be able to do the things that you want to do. But I did learn a lot. Yeah, definitely. All right. And then um, another question that I, I think is super important is what's your favorite national park you've been to? And what's the national park you would most like to visit that you haven't already? Hmm. National park? Probably have to say Yosemite. That just because not only is it in my state and it's not too far of a drive, but I think it's immensely beautiful and just how nature could carve out and make something so grand is beyond belief. And as far as where I would like to go national park wise, Olympia National Park would be cool. It's in Washington and it's actually the only rainforest in North America. So yeah, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then also, do you have any future travel plans? Uh, or are you currently living the nomadic lifestyle? that you've always dreamed of? I'm living semi-nomadically because I do have a primary residence with my parents, <clears throat> the house that I grew up in, but um, I do travel when I can and go to places and sleep in my car if I need to, or camp. Um, as far as future travel plans, I would like to go to Europe at some point my brother went this past summer, and he had a lot of fun there, and I would like to experience that. Um, like I said, I'd love to travel around the United States. Um, immediate travel plans, I think just because the opportunity uh, has presented itself, and in the local airport here in Santa Maria where I live, they have flights to Alaska, and I just thought to myself, why not just fly to Alaska? <laughs> Amen. I would love to go to Alaska. My grandpa owned a property up in Alaska um, for a little bit. And my grandma, my, uh, not my grandma, my mom got to go and she said it was fantastic. So I feel you on the Alaska. Does he still own the property? I don't think so. I think he um, sold it because <clears throat> his health is kind of deteriorating in his older age, his sight and that sort of thing. So. He used to actually sometimes fly his plane up there. <laughs> he used to just fly himself to Alaska occasionally because he wow. owned a plane for a number of years. Well, that's what uh, you need because you're going to need to be able to get around to all those islands and just all those places by bush or bush pilot, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, Alaska would be a dope place. I also met this other gentleman at my work. Uh, he was telling me he did a motorcycle tour of Alaska. He hopped on his motorcycle and just drove through Alaska and drove up there and then back. Um, and he was telling me that when he went, it was so cold. He tried to warm his hands off the engine of his motorcycle oh, wow. and that it was so cold that it couldn't even warm his hands. <laughs> he couldn't even feel the difference. See, that's my main thing about if I do go to Alaska, what am I going to do in Alaska? <laughs> like, what I, I heard there's this great bus out there that people like to trek out to and, you know, just spend a couple months. Oh, out. yeah. <laughs> or a couple years. Yeah. Couple How long summers. was he out there? I heard it was like a few months. It was multiple. I think it was. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm confusing Grizzly Man. Have you heard of the story of the Grizzly Man? No, I haven't heard of the story of Grizzly Man. The guy that. Um, he went and spent 
13 summers in a row up in Alaska and filmed bears and he filmed their social um, behavior and it was very interesting just documenting but he literally lived with the bears and at one point um, there's a documentary about it it's basically he was taking footage to put into a documentary then he died and he actually got eaten by a bear um, and you have the foot you have the footage of it but it, you don't see anything because the lens cap is still on the camera so all you hear um, is the bear attacking him and his girlfriend and them both dying but um, <clears throat> they don't play that in the d documentary but then another German doc uh, filmmaker took the pieces of this guy's documentary and put them into a documentary about kind of like man's relationship with nature it's very interesting yeah, definitely. But I was confusing that with uh, the, the story of Into the Wild. Yeah, the Peter McCandle story. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I get that reference all the time when I tell anybody that I live in my car. I get the uh, Super Tramp reference. And in fact, I almost called this podcast Super Tramp, but I don't know. I felt like I was going to reserve that name for the actual Super Tramp himself. True. Uh, but anyways, <coughs> regardless of that... We've covered your experience with travel, your national park, and then also your future travel plans, and then got a little bit off the beaten path. But um, definitely. So in, in your experience of travel, what's your favorite type of travel? Because I know some people are into the RV and some people are into the, the van travel where you're able to, you know, bunker down the van primarily and that sort of thing um, while you're there. You know, there's backpacking, there's tent camping, there's cabin camping. Do you have a preference on your favorite, or do you kind of like to mix it up with all of those? Mm, I think it depends, and I would say that, I guess, out of all of it, my favorite would probably be a mix, <clears throat> and that would be car traveling to where you can drive through beautiful areas or national parks, state parks, um, so that way you can just cover more ground, but then pulling off on the side of the road at night if you need to sleep in your car, or if you're lucky enough, have a, f a camping spot that you can camp at. Because just driving through an area, you don't get to experience it as fully. It's more of just like, um, I guess the surface of it all. And then really immersing yourself would be more something like backpacking, which I also love, but that's something that... For me, I like to do it sparingly. I love to hike. I can do that regularly, but if it's backpacking, being out on the trail, um, sleeping, you know, carrying everything on your back, I love it, but I like to experience other things too. So, a mix of it. Okay, definitely. Yeah, fair. Fair statement. Uh, in regards to travel, do you have a specific, like, mindset? I know some people go out traveling expecting some sort of you know like relationship to occur with nature and while I feel like you always have a relationship with nature when you're traveling it's not always the one you expect I know for me when I spend time traveling I kind of go through an array of emotions a lot of the times where uh, I, I contemplate with myself a lot about you know my life outside of traveling that sort of thing and I think it's kind of funny how we do that we get away and we focus on other aspects of our lives that are the here and now, but that's, that's kind of a little bit besides the point. Do you have a specific mindset when you go into nature? Are you trying to get away? Are you trying to 
find something or do you just go out there to be out there? Well, I would say I, <clears throat> for the most part, just go out there to be out there. I don't really go expecting anything. I mean, some I have had times in the past where I've gone on a backpacking trip at a difficult time in my life. And, you know, I knew that it would be good to get out and get away from it all. Um, I didn't expect anything to really be fixed, but I was, I guess, um, surprised when, you know, when you're out on the trail backpacking and you get into like almost a mindless state and then you start to think about things and thoughts just kind of drift by and uh, I guess you do, you know, you get something out of it, but it's not necessarily anything I was expecting. Um, but I, in general, I go out there j to just get away, but then also to kind of reconnect and, in my opinion, get back home because there's so much human evolution that wasn't um, in a society like we have to today and like modern humans have really only had the luxuries that, of civilization and that sort of thing for only like the last 2,000 years. So all of that before that, you know, we were developing, developing and we lived among nature. So it makes sense to think that that would be considered home, not something that we've only lived in and been familiar with for a short amount of time. Okay, definitely. Um, yeah, sounds, sounds legit. Uh, also, something else that I, I've also loved hearing about other travelers, do you have any stories about mistakes you've taken, mistakes that have happened, or uh, anything you could have done differently on your travel? So one of the ones I put out in a podcast a while ago was when we went on that trip with the rivers and that sort of, we went backpacking through um the Los Padres forest with the rivers and my socks got soaking wet and I didn't have a spare <laughs> pair mm. of socks so now I went out to REI and I bought the thickest most comfortable socks I could find and I'll only wear those while I sleep now uh backpacking are there anything that you've learned while backpacking over the years that you kind of wanted to pass on to people so they don't find out the hard way? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say um, that I have experienced too many critical mistakes while out on the trail or just traveling. Um, one thing, though, that I have learned is you definitely want to pack light and you want to minimize the amount of weight that you're going to have, um, that you're going to be carrying. Um, so just, you know... There are things that you might think that you need that while you're backpacking that when you get out there you might not actually use. Is, I've made that mistake a couple times. But. Is there a specific example of something you've brought that you probably could have left at home? Yeah, I went backpacking a year ago and I had just gotten a GoPro and I brought the GoPro, which was great because I did use that. But I brought a lot of accessories with it too, um, just because I wanted to be, to be prepared so that way I could still film. So I brought a solar charger uh, that would hang on my backpack. Then I also brought this external battery that I didn't use. I didn't use the solar charger either because I had like five backup batteries for the GoPro. Um, I brought a metal shovel that I really didn't need. Um, just things like that. 
there's just small things. But I would say that, that one one point though, just with traveling and um and life is if you want to do something and you know you have this desire to do it but then you think to yourself eh you know it's going to be too much effort or eh you know it's going to be stupid you know when you are traveling or if you're backpacking or just doing anything you might think back on that moment and you might regret not bringing that one thing or doing that one thing that um you first wanted to do just because you had initial nerves about it or you know, you just weren't confident in it. So I would say to just do it, you know, as Nike would say. But, <laughs> um, I would say bring it. Just you got to say it. not sponsored, otherwise yeah. you get criticized. <laughs> exactly, not sponsored. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that you mentioned, uh, mentioned that because my example is when we carried out the extra 20 pounds of wood. Yeah. <laughs> when I talked about stuff. Um, my, my go-to thing was when we packed out all that wood because we were worried. Um, and that was probably something that we could have evaluated and been like, you know what, let's just tough it out if need be. That wasn't a necessity. But anyways, you, you learn from those mistakes. And something that I've really enjoyed these past few months living in my car and that sort of thing is you really start to figure out what's important to you and, and what you want to have with you. I'm not able to bring all my stuff that I had previously and sold off some of it as much as I could. And then the rest of it is basically you're, you're living with what you, what you need and you kind of learn that sort of thing. So if, if you ever get into a situation where you want to go out, um, backpacking or something like that, you kind of already have an idea of what you're looking for and what you think you'll need. Yeah. That's, um, something I'm slowly learning to, realize, you know, uh, there are only certain things that you really, that are essential and that you really do need. Uh, I still live at home with my parents and I have a room. I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I have I'm not a room. I'm not as limited, <laughs> but it's in my car. <laughs> yeah, not as limited, but, um, I would sometimes think that I, I sometimes think that I would like to experience that though. Just getting down to the bare minimum and really seeing what you can survive with and what you can survive without. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. I always say it's not for everybody, <laughs> but it sure is something that everybody I think can try and yeah. figure out if it's for them. And that's my thing with almost anything in life is if you're in an uncomfortable situation, get yourself out of that. And I know that's not always as simple or the simple as it sounds, but, um, something like living in your car and that sort of thing, if it is by choice, it, it sometimes really can be that simple that you can try it out. And if you feel uncomfortable or you don't enjoy it, then, you know, you learn from that and you get to move forward with it. But it's one of those few things I feel like you have to experience to know whether or not you truly enjoy it. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't know if you agree, but yeah, that's just, <laughs> this is what I think. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick before I forget, or we get off on a tangent or something, I do want to ask what are, so let's say, let's put it at two things, two items that you have to have with you while traveling. And I'm going to exclude like clothing from this. Mm -hmm. What are like two pieces of gear that you always have with you when you travel? I always have a camera of some sort, something to document and take pictures. 
And that's usually my phone because we live in the 21st century. Jesus Christ, people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as far as the second thing that I always bring, hmm, you know, a lot of the times I have, so I have this knife that uh, was passed down to me. It's a U.S. Marine Corps knife, and I believe it's from Korea. I bring that a lot with me when I travel, and that's one thing that I don't mind carrying on my back, a little bit of extra weight. It's a pretty, it has a pretty big blade, um, and that's been useful if I really just needed to do a lot of things. There was a time when I was uh, camping out by myself and wasn't too much to do, so I found a stick and I used it to whittle some wood, and it, I have confidence that it could protect me if the situation came to it. Haven't had that situation yet, but I think it could protect me. Definitely. So a camera and, and a weapon. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So going back to the time that you spent alone, because we, we both now have spent at least some time alone. Yours was like a... How long was yours alone? It was, it was a while. Um, I got out there on a Tuesday... And then friends met up with me on a Friday, so I got out there about 5 o'clock Tuesday. Friends met up with me around, oh, 3 o'clock Friday. So you were solid, like, you know, a few days? Yeah, it was a solid few days. Yeah, definitely. What was your experience with that alone, being alone? Because I think it's a completely different experience than if you have somebody with you than when you're alone. Yeah, um, it was a very pleasant experience you really get to figure out who you are because you spend some time by yourself, with yourself. I occupied a lot of my time with hiking, and so that kind of kept me busy. And there's some other things that I did, but it was interesting because I was out in this area that at the time you could camp at for free because there was some sort of um, court case or something like that. But, uh, Yeah, so I was out there by myself, and no one was there, and then on Thursday, um, slowly people started to come in because it was the weekend, and also on Friday, the next day, it was the first day of hunting season, so it was really nice because I was out by myself, I was enjoying my time, hiking, being alone, um, and then all of a sudden, it was kind of a shock because all these people came, and it was like from one extreme to another. And then also, not only that, but all those people were were around, but it's not like you're really interacting with them. So it's kind of like I was alone, surrounded in this big group. But um, overall, I enjoyed the experience, but I think that there's, uh, there's you know, there's two sides of each. You know, there's the positives of traveling alone and being alone and there's also positives of group experiences one of the things that I really liked when I was out there though was just the amount of freedom that I had like not really having to meet anyone's expectations and not having to really answer to anyone but myself and mother nature I don't know if that means, like, nature itself or your bodily... Yeah, you know, it was both. Because <laughs> when you're camping, you're almost always answering Mother Nature. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing before 
we move on. Um, one thing that was really interesting while I was out there, though, too, was it was in August, and it was uh, probably one of the hottest times of the year, uh, right before fall. And <clears throat> in this area, in the springtime and after the rainy season, there's tons of water, as you know, because we hiked out there in the spring. But um, in the summertime, it's just dry and it's dead, and there are tons of flies. And they will go to anything that has any sort of amount of liquid on it, you know, or shade or anything. So I was out there by myself, and you'd be sitting um, at, you know, the campsite, and then there would just be swarms of flies, and I'm not even joking, like, you know, tons of flies that would just land or on you, be buzzing around you. And it was annoying at first, but then after a while... Um, it became almost like they were just, they were just there and I didn't pay too much attention to it. And I almost thought it was, it could be a metaphor for, um, things in life that are unpleasant that come at you, you know, you almost have to just ignore them and let them surround you, but not let them affect you. And then after that, I wasn't really, um, too bothered by them. And then about four months later, uh, maybe three months later, I actually went back to that campsite or uh, the campsites around it with another friend of mine and we stayed out there and the flies were still bad, but because I had had that experience in that camping area before and I'd made that connection and the metaphor to life, I was unbothered by the flies. That's super interesting. It reminds me of this concept in, in meditation that I was going over, um, where basically you have to be able to allow your discomforts to come and go because a lot of the times those dif discomforts are temporary as long as you allow them to be temporary. Um, so that's honestly like immediately when you said that, I was like, that's what my mind jumps to is this concept in, uh, in meditation. And then it also expands outside of meditation too, where you can look at it from where are you spending your energy? Uh, are you spending your energy and your, your time and your effort on things that benefit you? Or are you spending it on things that are, are kind of constraining you and holding you back? So I think it's, I think it's interesting that you can pull all of that from a sitting with a bunch of flies <laughs> essentially because it's it's the same principle and idea in my mind um just a different just yeah. a different way of learning it and that's what's fantastic about um those kind of experiences yeah definitely cool so with that said i feel like that covers basically everything that i had to cover is there anything else you wanted to go over before we end the podcast um, excited to get out to Joshua Tree this fall. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Yeah, we're all meeting out there for eight weeks. Just <laughs> oh, you know, I I do. Uh, th there's one thing that I'm going to be doing out in that area, but it's going to be more towards the fall. I'm actually going to Coachella this year. Are you? You got tickets? Yeah. <laughs> do you mind if I ask how much how much they were? Because I know I looked at going to Coachella with my dad. It's five hundred. <laughs> Is that with the tent? Uh, I don't know. I, some, someone paid for it. Someone paid for it for me, and I'm supposed to pay them back. So I'm not really sure the exact price, but I'll be paying something. Yeah. Upwards of $500, I'm sure. Because I know Coachella gets crazy expensive, yeah. especially the closer you get. Um, 
That's crazy, because isn't it coming up kind of soon? I think in April. Oh, okay, never mind. We already had it this year, then. Yeah. I thought it was towards the end of the year. My bad. Um, that'll be dope. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But um, there's one thing. Uh, I'm a fan of music, and I think that there's a little song that I'd like to end to. So real quick before I do what John wants to do, uh, I did want to thank him for joining me in this kind of like interview. This is the first podcast interview episode that I've done. I think it was fantastic. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about travels and that sort of thing. So I'm going to do my traditional ending and then we're going to leave you off with something a little bit different. So thank you so much for joining me again. This was episode eight, Solo Traveler with the Solo Traveler, Benjamin Youngblood, and the the other traveler, John Villarino. Um, as always, safe travels and we leave you with this. So real quick before I do what John wants to do, uh, I did want to thank him for joining me in this kind of like interview. This is the first podcast interview episode that I've done. I think it was fantastic. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking about travels and that sort of thing. So I'm going to do my traditional ending and then we're going to leave you off with something a little bit different. So thank you so much for joining me again. This was episode eight, Solo Traveler with the Solo Traveler, Benjamin Youngblood and the the other traveler John Villarino um, as always safe travels and we leave you with this <laughs>